You might be familiar with the famed voyages of Nicolas de Bourdin, the French explorer, cartographer and naturalist who mapped the southwest Australian coastline, identifying more than 2,500 species previously undocumented. The avid historians and Tasmanians among you might also know of Louis de Freycinet, who accompanied Bourdin on that expedition and in 1811 published the first map to show a full outline of Australia's coast. But history tried to hide the fact that his wife Rose stowed away on his ship and was the first woman to circumnavigate the world and document it on her husband's second expedition in 1817. Our next guest is going to take you on a journey that reads like an episode of Outlander, only without the time travel. Suzanne Faulkner is an historian and author of a number of books. She's been on the show with Philip before, talking about her book Joan in India, the story of a Melbourne woman who married an Indian prince in the 1930s, and also to talk about her biography of Australian author Randolph Stowe. Now she's chosen the life of Rose de Freycinet in her new book, Rose, the extraordinary story of Rose de Freycinet, the stowaway who sailed around the world for love. Suzanne, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much. Just give us a snapshot of who Rose de Freycinet was. I discovered that little was known about Rose except that she was born in a small village called St. Julian de Salt in the Yon River Valley uh, in uh, September 1794. And her mother's name was Jeanne. Her family lived in Paris, but this was in the middle of the French Revolution. And I think they, uh, my theory is that they were hiding there uh, because of their royalist connections. Her mother, um, who was widowed soon after, was a school teacher who spoke several languages. So Rose, very luckily um, for our story, was extremely well-educated and was unlike the other women who'd managed to um, stow away aboard ships and sail around the world. I think there were two of them. She was actually able to write a journal to, and leave a, a day-by-day account of the, uh, the journey she made. We'll we'll talk about um, the adventure itself and how it all unfolded, but I'd like you first to give us a bit of an insight into the world that Rose knew before this circumnavigation and the world that she was about to experience and how vastly different they were. Well, I think she was probably fairly sheltered. I think her mother uh, probably kept her head down during the French Revolution, and, and she was in the schoolroom being educated with her brother for most of the time. Her mother ran a language school, which was probably a little bit like a, a finishing school. I mean, she learnt to to sew and to dance a minuet, and uh, so she was quite genteel. But at this stage, I mean, at the time she grew up, Blood was running on the streets. You know, the aristocrats were being um, guillotined. People could be denounced and imprisoned. So it's it's this strange mixture of um, violence and, and gentility, um, a lot of which is, is conjecture on my part. But I think because um, her mother was very independent and intelligent um, and a resourceful widow, uh, Rose learned a, a little bit of independence of mind and resourcefulness. So when she married her her handsome naval officer, 15 years older than her, and he was awarded a, a scientific expedition a, a couple of years after they were married, through, less than three years after, she couldn't bear to be parted from him. So with his 
tacit uh, acquiescence. They both prepared for the trip. I mean, he pretended he needed an extra officer's cabin, uh, so he did a few refurbishments of the ship. But what he was doing was secretly uh, supplying a place where she could have some privacy and, and live on a small wooden ship with 120 men for three years. So they were both taking really significant chances, weren't they, for for different reasons. But presumably, Louis had told her about his previous experiences, um, diseases on board, dysentery, scurvy, tuberculosis, which took the lives of many at sea. Uh, But they went ahead with this plan. She cuts her hair short, pretends to be his son. Who was actually in on the deal? And what happened when the rest of the, the ship's officers and the crew found out? Well, the officers might have been a little bit suspicious about all these um, strange preparations going on. I mean, one of the, one of them said to her, "Oh, well, we we rather wondered why uh, Louis was uh, well, Captain Captain de Fraser was was embarking so much jam because he he knew Rose like jam for breakfast." So <laughs> there's, there were little giveaways like that, but basically, no one knew. I mean, there there were two types of danger. There were the physical danger of, you know, shipwreck, disease, um, all those things. But there was also the danger to uh, Louis's career because he was a career naval officer and this was strictly illegal. So I don't know whether he anticipated what might happen when he got back to France, but he he was a very straightforward, meticulous, um, orthodox naval officer. So why he agreed to this mad scheme, he must have been very much in love as well. (laughs) It certainly sounds like it. Uh, But it hit the news, didn't it? And, And Rose was reported. How was it reported? It ends up being an investigation. The Minister of the Navy demands an in-depth investigation to this. It goes all the way to the King. Well, yes. I mean, Rose had simply disappeared. I mean, she she was supposed to be meeting her father-in-law and being taken back to his uh, chateau, but that hadn't happened, and it became known that that hadn't happened. And so rumours started spreading all over the place as, as far as Paris that Louis had taken her aboard. So there were newspaper stories and, and a bit of a scandal. And as you say, it, 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 it went all the way to the king. And the king said something like, um, well, um, perhaps the less said the better because uh, very few other wives are likely to emulate her. So, uh, but of course, Rose and Louis didn't know that there'd been a scandal in France um, until they reached French territory. Um, uh, Well, not not even then. I think they read some old newspapers in Cape Town about this uh, scandal. But uh, Rose had to stay hidden till they were out of territorial waters, and then there was some danger that when they landed in in French territory, which was Reunion uh, near Mauritius, that the officials there would would more or less arrest her. But she managed to charm her way out of that. And as it was months after she'd embarked, I think they thought it was all a bit of a waste of time. She sounds like an incredibly persuasive woman. Let's talk about their arrival in Rio. They'd been at sea for three months. Uh, They dock there and it's like two worlds kind of collide and she's seeing both of them in front of her, greeted by the French and the Russian consuls and at the same time encountering um, some quite hideous scenes of slavery there. 
Yes, I I, I rather um, compare her her trip whole trip to the magic faraway tree. Every time this wooden ship with the tall mast stops somewhere, there's a totally different world. And sometimes it's pleasant and sometimes it's unpleasant and, and it's usually very strange. Uh, she wouldn't have known much about slavery because um, Napoleon had, had uh, allowed... I mean, the French had had slaves in their colonies for, for years and years, but there, there wasn't so much slavery in France and Napoleon um, wanted to keep the race pure, so he thought that um, having African slaves in... in in France was not a good idea. So she wouldn't have really encountered any um, slaves before now. But on the other hand, she was she was a lady, she was genteel. Um, she had to pretend not to notice a lot of things. Uh, so she would have only encountered it in, a, in, a, in, a, in the more correct streets, the, the polite parts of, of town, where perhaps... Uh, black slaves following their mistresses around and carrying their shopping. But Jacarago, who's the artist on board, I mean, he visited the slave markets and talked to slaves, and he was completely horrified. Tell us about some of the art as well, because there's some fabulous images inside the book and the rewriting of history or the repainting of history, if you like, particularly with regard to Rose. Well, everybody on board had to pretend that Rose wasn't there because officially she wasn't there. So the ship's artists and, and draftsmen, quite often they'd do two versions of things, a private version where, where uh, Rose was visible and then another one which was either based on that but censored. Uh, I mean, there are actual drafts where... Um, there's a line drawn through the figure of Rose so the engraver could leave her out. But yes, it's fascinating to look at these these two two versions of the same scene. I mean, one of one of them, where they're landing in Timor, not only is Rose descending the gangplank hand in hand with Louis, which doesn't appear in the official version, but there's an officer falling head over heels backwards into the longboat as they land, and that also doesn't appear. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to New Holland, uh, May 1818. They leave Reunion uh, Island. Rose and Louis journey to New Holland, stopping first at Shark Bay in WA, uh, where she encounters Australia's Indigenous people. And I wondered, when reading about that, who might have been more shocked? Her looking at them or they looking at her? Well, this is one of the things that intrigued me. I mean, they, um, she'd gone ashore with, with uh, Louis, been carried ashore um, from a, a longboat stranded on, on the sandbanks, and they were wandering around the beach, and they, they gathered some oysters for lunch from nearby. And then what I, I imagine must have been a, a hunting party of the, the local Malgana people arrived, and they must have looked terrifying, to, to a, a French girl because they were all carrying very, very long hunting spears. They were all dark-skinned. They were, they were completely naked. They had uh, long, bushy beards. And um, she would have had no... You know, there was no language in common and, and she had no idea of their intentions. And they did start shouting at, at the, uh, the intruders to, to go back to their ship 
which of course um, you know they didn't really understand, although they understood the intent. So in fact, um, Rose was completely terrified. Mm. They head to Sydney. She meets with Governor Lachlan Macquarie, who uh, invites both Rose and Louis to spend a few days at his country residence, which is about 25 kilometres up the Parramatta River. Uh, There she encounters children, Indigenous children, from what is called the Native Institute. Uh, She also encounters female orphans, around 60 girls who are daughters of um, convicts. Uh, What kind of a world does she encounter in Sydney? Well, she loved Sydney. Uh, Louis loved Sydney too. They said it was the happiest stopover uh, of all. I think, um, I mean, the English and French had been at war and were now at peace and were allies. And I think think the English settlers wanted to show her the best of, of their world. So when she saw these children, they were all, you know, clean and scrubbed and, and wearing wearing clean clothes, and she was shown over the, the schoolrooms where they were being taught to read and write. So she naturally assumed that this was all a, a good thing, and it was intended, you know, benevolently by the Macquarie's, but whether it was a good thing or not uh, was another matter. And then, of course, there were the... Uh, there were the the convict girls who were being educated and housed uh, basically to keep them off the streets because, um, you know, young girls were, were, in dan- were in great moral danger in a, in, a, in a rough settlement where there were very few women. So she, she witnessed all this and, and uh, made observations that uh, in these cases she tended to see what she was intended to see. Yeah, and I wonder about that also with Sydney being uh, such fond memories for them because essentially what comes next is that they get shipwrecked in the the Falklands. Tell us about that. Well, they, they'd rounded Cape Horn and the ship had been uh, damaged in a, in a storm, so they pulled in at Barclay Sound in, in the Falklands uh, both to do some repairs to the ship and uh, Louis knew from his previous reading that there were wild cattle and and pigs um, roaming the the landscape and and these and these and geese could be shot so basically they could restock the ship from from nature so this was the plan but uh, there was a subterranean rock that wasn't marked on their charts and they ran straight into it and that uh, holed the hull. And they managed to limp to a sandy beach where the the boat could the ship could be um, grounded. But winter was approaching, and it it, grad- it was lifted by the waves, and finally it, it it broke up and was smashed. And they spent two months living in in tents in the freezing cold, tents made of old sails, living off the land and 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 what their their remaining supplies were. Louis was very organised. He got all the scientific uh, papers off the ship and many, many, many of the natural history specimens and the guns and the the barrels of brandy and and, uh, the remaining supplies and and everything that he could. It It was a very good operation and they didn't lose a single man. 
but it was a, a period of some hardship and the anxiety uh, made Louis very ill. So Rose wondered what would happen if he died. I mean, not only would that be a tragedy for her, but quite often in these situations, the crew would mutiny and uh, she could be in a, in a rather sticky position. And so how were they rescued in the end? Well, that was interesting too. Uh, Barclay Sound was was used by American whalers who who were coming down in the season to hunt whales and seals, and and they'd pull in there as well. So after they'd been there for quite some time, uh, not knowing this, uh, a ship appeared, uh, and then a second at a second point, another ship appeared, um, and the Americans, who were fairly pragmatic people. They took the view that if they recognised, if they uh, rescued these hapless French, um, they'd be losing all their profit from the voyage. So they they needed monetary reward from the French government for doing so. So we ended up with um, two American whalers, Captain Orne and Captain Galvin, both trying to um, outmanoeuvre each other and extract as much money as they possibly could um, from Louis. Uh, but they they got away in the end with one of them. They arrived back in France, November 1820. It's three years since they took off. Louis faced with a a court-martial for losing his ship. But how is Rose received back in France and what happens to her? Well, the extraordinary thing was that at the court-martial where Louis was completely... exonerated for losing the ship and handed back his sword with honour because they said he'd handled it the best way he possibly could have and hadn't lost anyone. Uh, Rose wasn't mentioned. I I think this was a a follow-on from the King's remark. I mean, they just pretended that it hadn't happened. I suspect uh, he'd dropped her off uh, at uh, Le Havre, so she wasn't actually physically there when when he, he arrived. So, yes, that worked out all right. I think life after the voyage was a bit of an anticlimax for Rose. I mean, after all this excitement. And then, unfortunately, um, I, I make a macabre joke about this. She was a woman who went on, on a round-the-world cruise and then died in a pandemic because the uh, cholera pandemic uh, in Paris in the 1832 Louis became ill and she nursed him back to health, but she was in a weak state and she contracted cholera as well and she died a few days later. Suzanne, it's been really fascinating. We've been speaking with Suzanne Faulkner, historian and author of Rose, the extraordinary story of Rose de Freycinet, the stowaway who sailed around the world for love, which is published by ABC Books. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.